Church, I'm going to get into the word that I sincerely believe that uh, it is the current word. And uh, we are going to be dealing with a book of uh, Ezekiel, um, chapter 37 in particular. And so I know the Mazibugos are growing, so let's allow them to live quietly. Ezekiel 37, take that as Cynthia, you only got two people. There's more. Okay. Bless you as you go. Right, uh, the young people can go with Auntie Cynthia. Thank you. Well, I welcome to each and every one of you this morning. The Lord bless you richly and cause everything that you do to prosper and be in good health. Segi, Segi in the front, Segi at the back, welcome. Good to see you back again. How's your wife doing? Still in pain. I suppose uh, more so being a cold day. But uh, yeah. We know God is in the healing business. And so we must continue to pray for her. And that uh, it's not just the physical healing that she will receive, but uh, total, the total package of what God has got in store. But uh, I trust God that, you know, there's uh, lots of people that are not here today. Some have given their reasons why they're not here, and some haven't. But be that as it may, we have the messages recorded to, for those that uh, would want to go over, because I think it is going to be critical. And I think the messages of the past, I think five weeks, I think have been, for me, they are critical, because I believe that God is building systematically as we pursue building the family. And in building the family, there are steps that we need to take. And one of those uh, steps that we need to take is to install the fathers back again to lead their tribes. As long as the father is not taking a lead in the development of his household, I'm not talking about being a boss because uh, uh, Romans chapter 3 is very critical of leaders who, like the Pharisees, said, do as we say, but not necessarily do as we do. And so I believe that our children will learn, will pick up some of the nuances that we do without articulating them in speech. The things that we do and how we behave, our children become that. If we are entrenched in stubbornness because we want it our way and not God's way, our children are going to pick up on our stubbornness and then we will get frustrated when they don't do what we expect them to be doing. 
when we use ourselves as models, we need to model ourselves according to the principles that God has set in motion. And God has set in motion fathers over us. And uh, you would see in the book of uh, Chronicles, in the book of Kings, where uh, there would be a succession of uh, fathers or, or kings that will take over from their fathers. And some of them, the scripture will say, they rebelled against God and they were bad leaders, just like their fathers were. But there was a young man that came on the scene, King Asa. The Bible says he studied David so deeply that he studied David that he called David as his father. And he done according to what David done. And he ruled for God. In other words, he broke from the abomination of what his predecessor, his natural father was doing. He found a spiritual father and he connected to that, that which was right. Because the scripture says, and he done that which was right in the eyes of God. And God honored him and changed the trajectory of worship in Israel. Because most of them, the only thing that he did not uh, do, I think it was, uh, 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 he did not uh, destroy the groves or places where they worshipped idols. He didn't destroy that. But in most things, he ruled properly. And so I firmly believe that uh, the, there's, there's just too many things that are happening right now that I see in Scripture. And then it's, gonna, it's demanding of us, for those that know God, it doesn't matter how little you know God, how deep you understand God, but uh, your understanding of who God is is in his word. <clears throat> As I said uh, uh, to somebody outside this morning, you know, we can't come on a Sunday and spend uh, 55 minutes uh, listening to the word of God and think that word needs to sustain us. I know that the word of God says of Elijah, the word or the food that he ate sustained him for was it three and a half years when there was a drought? But those are spiritual understanding. But in the natural, we need to take some of the things in the natural that uh, uh, coming together on the Sunday only, it's never going to sustain us. These are difficult days, I am telling you. These are difficult days. These are the days when we need to draw close to God in a deeper way, very deep way. And as I said, I think it was two weeks ago or last week that Jesus did not live in reaction to what the devil was doing around us, around him. And I think the church has gone into that environment where they react or they go and pray when they are under attack. And I'm telling you, those are just some of the outward things that God will allow you to see to make you catch a wake up. But there are things that the enemy is doing very quietly that you're not even aware. One of those things is breaking relationships. Allows you to get fed up with your wife, to get fed up with your children. 
And in the meantime, what are you speaking when you are fed up with them? What are those words that you are speaking? Because you, you all say the power of life and death is in the tongue. But what words do you speak when you are angry with somebody, especially in your household? Are you able to prophesy life over them when you are angry with them? Very hardly. And so there's just, as I said, uh, uh, maybe let me, because I might become personal and then I will be accused of other things. Maybe let me lean on scripture. So if you need to find anybody to accuse, you can accuse God. That's your prerogative. <laughs> so let the word of God speak because my uh, plan was to speak on the book of Romans this morning, but... I was once again, uh, not, uh, it was just highlighted to me this morning when I got to my study. And, uh, and yet, on Wednesday, there was a very strong word that spoke on obedience. The church has become disobedient. I mean, look at the church today. We are quick to pick up offenses, but we are not quick to go on our knees and say, Lord, I have wronged you. One of the things that I understood, which helps me once again to allow myself to allow God to speak, is that what I had to write down this morning was, there are those of us that biblical history would not recognize. We would never become of anything that history will say. There was once a time that Henry lived in Dundee, and uh, this was his contributing to, uh, contribution to the community. And I came to rest in the reality that maybe a week after I die, nobody will ever remember that Henry ever existed. And I'm comfortable with that. I'm not trying to drive you to guilt. I'm just making a point. But there could be someone that I could impact that that someone, maybe in a thousand years from now, will become somebody of significant importance. And so, as the Lord said uh, a couple of weeks ago, that I must become comfortable to be a carrier of his grace and to minister his word. I must not look for outcomes. Even if there was two of you, I still believe that I will speak exactly the same as if the church was full. Because I am no longer moved by the crowd. I'm not reacting to the crowd. I'm reacting to the voice of God. And the voice of God this morning to you and I, it is learn how to guard our mouths, guard our thoughts, and have less of an opinion. 
I have heard enough people say, I got so angry that I told them, I gave them a piece of my mind. Give them a piece of your mind. That's why you've got half a brain, we should say to them. If you gave them God's word, then you would have left something for them. But you left them your useless brain. So don't be frightened when people give you a piece of their mind. Be mindful when they speak God's word to you. Because you are supposed to receive, you are designed to receive life. It is only life that can grow in you. Not somebody else's piece of their mind. It can't grow on you. It should have no effect. And so, I say the biblical history might not recognize us, but we could become a pivotal point in raising a generation of kingdom builders. I say, I am becoming more happy to be a part of the movement that moves the kingdom of God forward. I might not be the cog on the wheel. I might not even be a full spoke on the wheel. Bicycles I'm talking about. But even if I was as tiniest, minutest of that spoke on that wheel, because without me balancing that wheel, that bicycle will wobble like this. But when I am there and the tension is right, the wheel runs straight. And there is momentum, there is movement. Ezekiel speaks a lot about, I saw a wheel within the wheel. Speaking about the movements of the things of God bringing it into a crescendo of Ezekiel uh, 37 to, uh, in, uh, I think it's verse 15, where the culmination of that movement is Judah and Israel becoming one. And I realize that right now we are so scattered, our thoughts are so scattered, that we have not realized that oneness. When Peter began to speak in Acts, is it Acts chapter 2? It says he stood to speak and the eleven stood with him. In other words, they echoed every word he spoke. It was, he represented the voices of the other 11 disciples. Because by this time, uh, Judas had been replaced by Barnabas. Uh, was it Barnabas? No. Matthias. It was one voice that spoke. And so, when we come to realize that, that we are part of a movement, that the movement is not centered on me, 
then we will begin to gain momentum in, in building the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God cannot be built by one man. It's built by a community. It is built by a family. It starts with a family. When the family is strong, we can move mountains. We don't have to sweat about it. We don't have to sweat about it. <clears throat> and a, a caution that I noted was, do not strive for recognition. Simply pursue God. And God will raise you up. When you try to raise yourself up, you likely, I noted, I think it was last week, you are likely to take off before God is ready to send you. We find the people leaving a, a church, starting their own churches. We're speaking about the prodigal son at the back. Uh, with uh, Kululegani. And uh, it was strange because that's where my mind was uh, flowing uh, this morning. That sometimes we run before God. We send ourselves. I think of the young people that uh, leave home find that their first girlfriend and then they decide to go, they leave home in a half and they go and uh, say they're starting their own home. If the father has not said, son, go and develop your own home, you have not been sent. Speak, uh, read Romans chapter one, Paul says, Calling, uh, uh, say, uh, speaking on uh, saying, I am an apostle. An apostle is one who is sent. It's got nothing to do with the 12 apostle churches and all these things here. Some people will say the time of the apostles is over. They don't have a clue what they are talking about. Because if you, you, you read uh, the book of Acts, it says uh, the 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 apostles or the, the people gathered and they carried on in the apostles' doctrine. We are now living in the apostles' doctrine. What was the apostles' doctrine? They met together and uh, they, uh, they ate together. They shared a doctrine and they read scriptures and they prayed together. That is the apostles' doctrine, is to bring the body of Christ together. The apostles uh, uh, don't run and establish churches. That's what we were told when uh, we came to Christ. The apostles established churches. No, 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 no. The apostles came to the church and they established doctrine. The apostles, they established doctrine or the mainstay of the house. They established, that's why these 12, 12 apostles, those were the 12 pillars in the temple of God. Those, those they hold up the structure of the kingdom of, of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so, 
We need to learn to see these things here. And there was not a apostle that stood out amongst them. All of them, all of them, they stood as one man. And so nobody pursued his own ideology. I think it was Paul uh, that uh, said uh, that uh, I am building this foundation and if any man builds uh, with any other material, his uh, house will be found wanting when the test time comes. He said to the church in Rome, he says, uh, I desire to come to you. He was, he, he came not the way that he wanted like today. We want to come with, uh, uh, by aeroplane or by a fancy car into the city and come and preach. Paul came as a prisoner to Rome. But he says, nonetheless, I am coming. I am coming to impart to you so that your foundation might be set. So when the times of trial comes, you are able to draw on the power, the authority of the word of God inside of you. Not coming to build a church and then have my name written on the posts outside. I am coming to establish the kingdom of God. I mean, you are, I've heard the pastor saying to me, come, uh, he said, uh, invite me to your church. I'll come and shake that place. Oh, it is you that shakes the place. No more the Holy Ghost. The Bible tells me that when the Holy Ghost came, the place shook, not when some preacher came. I mean, you need to listen uh, to the story of Reynard Bonker, of his uh, calling. Later on, he would ask God, uh, uh, when you called me into the ministry, was I the first one? And God said, no, don't fool yourself. You are not even my second choice. I think it was a third choice. What did Reynard Bonker do? He stayed true to that which he was passionate about. He was passionate about souls. He made a declaration. He says, from Cape to Cairo, they will be saved. Did he realize that dream? You might say, maybe it doesn't look like today. But you don't know what that man imparted into Africa. And if we do not, the right now, I am seeing the church, I, I wrote in verse 11 of Ezekiel 37. Oh, I see the church, yes, I see the church, that uh, it, it finds itself in the valley of dry bones. When you look around you, look at uh, 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 Christians all over the show, have no clue, no understanding of who they are. I mean, Christians lie today. And they have no qualms about it. Look at what 11 says. Then he said to me, son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. Behold, they are saying, this is a whole household of Israel, but this is how they speak. Our bones are dried. And our hope is lost. 
we are cut off from our parts. Hmm? The church has lost hope. They don't see themselves as the army of God. You know, I, I wish I could go the way it was. Um, maybe I am bringing you to what I need to say now to you, okay? Let's go back to reading then the scripture. Leave my opinions one side, even though I think they matter. Let's just read from verse 1. The hand of the Lord was upon me, and he carried me out in the spirit of the Lord, and he set me down in the midst of the valley, which was full of bones. Now, say you were the one that was being carried in the spirit. You come to this place, when you see bones, what what? What comes up into your mind? Anybody? Death? Destruction? Hopelessness? I mean, the bones were dry. Horror. Are you not filled with horror at the moment of the things that are happening all over the world? That people can just come into your house or come into the church and just toss a bomb there and walk away and everything is okay. I mean, now you're seeing people where there is mayhem going on. People are sitting and eating. Hmm? During a time when we should be horrified, it's become normal. But anyway, let me go back here. And caused me to pass by them round about. And behold, there were very many in the open valley. And they were very dry. And he said to me, son of man, can these bones live? What's your opinion, Ezekiel? Can these bones live? What would have been his disposition or what would be our disposition today? Hey, Lord, things are bad. Hey, I don't think, so. I don't see things coming right. It's just things have gone too far. That's my opinion. That's what I will say. But look at what Ezekiel says, how he answers And I answered, O oh Lord God, you know. If I say you know, I know that you know. Do you not think then I will say, I want to see what is your plans? What, what, what are you going to do? Because I know that you created these bones. You put them together, you had a plan and a purpose for them. But today they are in a valley, they are hopeless, they are helpless, they are disjointed, disconnected. And so in, in my natural mind, a miracle needs to happen. But in my natural mind I say, it's over and done with. Lost, lost cause. Don't even bother yourself. 
they are dry and then he says to me prophesy <laughs> hey God is saying, prophesy. Can you imagine somebody? I am in a desperate place. And it's come, somebody says, I have hope. What are you talking about? It's a done deal. It's over. And he says, prophesy. Obedience. Prophesy upon these bones. Don't say, oh, let uh, somebody else uh, uh, come up. I mean, uh, when you look at uh, Naomi and Ruth, Naomi said, I I cannot raise another son. Go back. The bones are dry. Sarah said to uh, Abraham, go and take Hagar. My bones are dry. I can't bear you the son that God promised you. And the sons of Hagar, Ishmael, today still, they are mocking the Isaacs of God. Right now, they're having a Miss World pageant in Israel. And the sons of Hagar are telling the sons of uh, Isaac that uh, they do not go to Israel. The sons of Hagar seems to have put a spanner in the works and the church is fighting. They're calling Israel all manner of names. And it is the very same God who who is saying to you and I today, prophesy to the bones that are dead. Where hope seems to have disappeared, God is saying, speak to that environment. Speak if your business is not doing well. Don't advertise how bad it is doing. The word of God says, speak to those dry bones. Prophesy, prophesy to them. It is dead. It is finished. God is saying, prophesy to it. Speak to it. What does it, what is the prophecy that is the first thing that he has to speak to these dry bones? Have you got it up there? Oh, you dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. You dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. He's not saying you shall prosper, you shall become this year. First and foremost, hear. And the word is when you hear his voice and do it. I will liken you unto a man who built his house on the rock. The rock that cannot be shaken. Hear the word of the Lord. This is what the Lord God, uh, thus says the Lord God uh, to the bones. Behold, 
I will cause a breath to come into you and you shall live. That is a confidence of God. That is a word that needs to come into our lives when we see things not going the way we had planned. Speak to those bones. Speak to that situation. And say, hear the word of the Lord. Not my words. Because uh, my words uh, are based on my thinking. But when the word of God speaks, because I don't have the breath to breathe into him. It is the spirit of God that must breathe into these bones. And I will lay sinews upon you and will bring you up a flesh upon you and cover you with skin and put breath in you and you shall live and you shall know that I am the Lord. At the end of the day, it is not about a good preacher that you shall see in your midst. In, in, in the preaching of the word, God must become visible. This is what the word of God is saying to you and I this morning. Don't give up on your son. Don't give up on your daughter. It might not look like it is happening right now, but it is time you took up your rightful place. It's time you took your rightful place. Don't speak out of anger because then uh, everything is diluted and made dear makar. Uh, one of the things that I, I, I wrote when I was speaking on, I was looking at obedience. I said, do not let television teach your children values. The values must come from you, the father in the house. If you are a lone mother in the house, then you become the father to that household. Our children all over the world are being gripped by the rubbish that spews out of our television screens. Mayhem and murder is being normalized. Have you seen the children when they watch their hero hitting somebody they get up and yeah, 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 yeah. It's normal. It's become normal. Huh? <laughs> it's abnormal situation. Now, Somebody said, when I listen to the word of God, my family gets up and go and do something else. Go and sit elsewhere. Don't want to hear the word of God. Rather, we can sit and watch television, watch violence. Verse 7, so I prophesied as I was commanded and I prophesied as I prophesied. 
Now the word there says there was noise. As I began to speak, there was movement. <clears throat> and there was a rattling and a shaking. And the bones began to come together. Don't see it in the natural, see this in the spirit. That as you begin to prophesy, things begin to happen. But it began with hearing. When they began to hear, then there was a reaction. And don't know if I mentioned it last week, that when the connection was taking place, it was in Fricke's bone to come into my leg because we would have been walking like this. <laughs> Can you imagine that? Ah, you know, bone to bone, sinew to sinew. In other words, all came into their purpose, not a mixed masala. You became you because you found your purpose in life. You found that which you are passionate about. None of us are born without dreams. Find what you are passionate about and begin to prophesy to that. It might seem impossible, but prophesy to that. I've discounted myself in the past and say, well, I'm too old for that. I couldn't be bothered. If I can live a day in God's purpose, then I have fulfilled a lifetime's dream. Find a moment with God and God will place you exactly what he, in a place that he created for you to occupy. <clears throat> Please, guys, hear me. Hear me. Maybe you have heard me a thousand times, but hear me today. God is restoring his church. Not the building Building is where we, the church, come to meet. But he's building you as his temple. He wants to have fellowship in your house. He's restoring you to your purpose. We've listened to too many people's opinion of us. And we haven't listened to God. Sometimes we begin to rejoice just because, verse 8, it says, And when I beheld, lo, the sinews and the flesh came upon them, and the skin covered them above. But there was no breath in them. Then he said to me, Prophesy to the wind, prophesy, son of man, and say to the wind, This is what the Lord God, this is what the Lord God is saying. Come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe upon these slain, that they may live. So I prophesied, 
as he commanded me. You see, uh, Ezekiel is showing us patience. He wasn't thrilled by seeing the outer skeletal or the inner skeletal coming together. He wasn't satisfied when he saw the sinews. You know, I call it the springs. The springs coming together. And then the flesh coming together. And then the skin coming together. It was patience. God builds method, but what do I say? Methodotically, systematically, patiently. It's not eh? lovingly. Is in no rush. Isn't it? You're all saying time is in his hand. It's in his hand. He's never rushed for time. He is time itself. It's not bound by generation. It's not bound by geography. It doesn't matter where you are. You are in the right place. You are not out of season. You are in season. I know Paul says I was out of season when I came into the apostolic. But he was in his season. God had developed a firebrand in him. And he ran ahead of God. And he thought the way things were going were drifting away from the plan and purpose that God had. But God had a deeper purpose. He wanted to bring the Gentiles in. And it had to be via a dramatic way where people began to know that God has done this. He allowed a very bad man By the description of, uh, uh, of many that, uh, I mean, I think uh, Josephus uh, also wrote quite a bit concerning Paul because some uh, believe that he had bandy legs. He had bad eyesight. He was short. So he wasn't uh, somebody where you say, tall, dark, and handsome. No. There was nothing to look at. So in the natural, people could walk past him and say, this thing, yeah. But in the spirit, he carries what we are living on today. You know, I listened in a, on a, a Bible study on Thursday because I didn't want to be part of it, but I sat next to Mari, listening to the Bible study. And there was a scripture that Nilesha read. Philippians 1, I think. And once again, I began to understand Paul's writing in a deeper way. The gratitude that filled Paul's life. The things, why he wrote certain things. The things that he said. I think one of our discussions many years ago, I think it was Lali who said, uh, it looks like Paul never liked women, eh? He said, woman needs to shut up in the church. 
But he had a reason for that. We can go in into that. Why? He had no qualms about women. But uh, uh, for him in his life, he just found that raising a family is such an awesome responsibility that I am not going to be doing that. He urged uh, uh, his, uh, the believers or those that were converted that uh, maybe if you want to serve God in his fullness, remain as me. Remain unmarried. Unfortunately, the Catholic Church hijacked that and made their priest not to get married. But he had an overrider to that. He said, but if you burn, get married. Don't sin, get married. It never made it a law that uh, those that uh, hold office, in fact, we are urged earnestly, if you uh, aspire to rise up into a position where you would lead uh, the household of faith, that you get married then temptations won't uh, uh, overtake. I know some people, when they're, they are so anointed by God, and then people are attracted to them, then they misuse uh, that anointing. That is why you need your wife everywhere you go. You need her. Your covering. As much as you're her covering, but you will need her when you, comes to, when you come to ministry. You need your, your, your husband if you, the wife would lead the church. Don't know how that works, but... Let's go on. <clears throat> so I prophesied, verse 10, so I prophesied as he commanded me, and the breath came into them, and they lived, and stood up on their feet, and they were an exceeding Great army. <laughs> Can, out of what? Out of dry bones. Out of hopelessness. An army came up. And this is where then they said to the, then he said to the, to say to them, son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. The whole tribe. But this is still not a beauty of this. It doesn't end here. Please. <laughs> you know, there's such a beautiful love story in the Word of God. I find this absolute love story that emanates out of the Word of God. Every time I look at certain scripture, I see the foreknowing God, how he prepares things. Let's read on if we're going to get there. And so they were busy saying to themselves, the dry bones, we are dried. We have lost hope. We are cut off from our parts. And verse 12, he says, therefore prophesy and say to them, this is what God is saying. Behold, all my people, I will open your graves. Sure. <laughs> they are alive. They are standing up as an army. But God is saying, I'll open up your graves. You might think, well, it sounds like a contradiction. 
They're already out of their graves. They're standing up. <laughs> and cause you to come up out of your graves and bring you to the land of Israel. I'll bring you back to the current situation right now. I don't know where any of you stand as far as uh, Hamas and whichever other mass is uh, busy in Israel. Palestinians, which by the way is just a name. It's not a tribe. It's just a name. They are Arabs. There is not one army in the natural that can defeat Israel and chase them out of Israel. Please mark my words. They have been conquered numerous times, thrown out of Israel, their promised land. But God said, I will always leave a remnant. But at each time they were exiled, you can look into scripture and you will find that was prophesied. God said, when you misbehave, don't obey my laws, I will throw you out of my land. But I will always bring you back. Because they are the anchor of our faith. And God don't tell me I am the new Israel. If it has got no expression in the natural, that's why you will read in uh, most of the scripture. Romans will say to the Jew first and then to the Gentiles. God has a structure. Whatever he will do, he will start with Israel first. God's judgment starts with Israel first before he goes to the Gentiles. God's judgment throws them out of their land, but because he has a covenant with them, it is a covenant. It's not a promise. It is a covenant. He made with Abraham. He says, I will give you a land, but not to you, because we are told in Scripture, it says he was... Uh, Abraham did not, God never gave him a place. No, no place, not even to set his foot on. But he said, I will give it to your seed. We know that uh, Isaac uh, begat all the, 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 the 12 tribes. And out of the 12, 12 tribes, well, there was one called Jacob. And Jacob became Israel. Israel became, in an instant, he became a country. One man, in an instant, he became a nation. So, don't believe when uh, Iran says that they're going to drive them into the sea. If it is not God's hand, there's no nation that can drive them out of Israel. Scripturally, I'm speaking. And I don't believe that God will not even find one Jew that believes God. Because if one, we are told, 
When two or three are gathered in my name, I'll be there. And so, if there's an agreement that this is God's land, who can change that? You saw when uh, how Ishmael mocked Sarah when she began to be with child, he mocked her because he knew that uh, the time of usurping godly authority was drawing to an end, that God was raising the seed. And I see ourselves right now as a people who have been hijacked by humanism. And God is calling his church back to himself. He's calling you and I back to him. Doesn't need a crowd. He needs one man that would believe him and act on his word. When we act on his word, Ezekiel, he was in a time when Israel was in exile again. They were filled with uh, despair. They were sitting on the uh, river Shabbat, crying, how can we sing the Lord's song in a strange land? And he visited them. He saw how despondent they were. And he had to begin to speak life to them. Don't get despondent. Don't get despondent. If you find yourself in a place of hopelessness, you need to pull up your socks and begin to speak. Not your fears. Begin to speak the word of God. Please, don't, don't say it's hopeless, it's too late. It couldn't have been later than the, the, the dry bones. There's a whole lot. There's a whole lot here. Maybe you have journeyed into Moab and your dreams have died. Remember, Moab is a spirit that kills fathers. It kills. It's a spirit that kills fathers. Or it renders fathers impotent that they can no longer bear sons. Why? Because it disengaged. It disengaged from God. He left the house of God. He journeyed to Moab. A man that professed and confessed, or his name spoke, Elimelech, he spoke, God is king. But he came into a position of being despondent. Why? How we draw that conclusion? It says, for there was famine in the land. Famine means there was a lack of word. There was a lack of the word of God. We became consumed with politics. We left the word of God one side. 
and then we journey into this land. This land kills the fathers, kills the sons. It makes the widows, it makes widows out of nurturers. A woman nurtures the seed. And if there's no man to drop a seed in a woman, what can she nurture? It could only happen when Naomi made a decision. In her bitterness, she made a decision to journey back to the house of God. I see so much potential in the church. But the church is busy in Moab. Out in the wilderness. Out of the will of God. Kululegani was uh, uh, telling me about a song he was listening to. Of the welcoming of the prodigal sons. The noise that they sing. The big ruckus of happiness. The prodigal sons coming home. And I believe that's got to be our preaching of the prodigal sons coming home. Because the fathers must be standing, waiting. He saw from afar as Naomi journeyed back there were those that were waiting for her. They welcomed her with gladness. They welcomed her with gladness. In the bitterness of the moment, she said, I'm no longer Naomi. Call me Mara because I'm bitter. When I left here, I was full. But now I'm coming back empty. Let's not laugh at them and say, ha, 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 you thought you knew too much, huh? No, no, no. Let's accommodate. Let's accommodate. So that when they begin to excel, we can prophesy to them. When they come into their Boaz, the Redeemer, when they come to Jesus. Watch your temper. Watch your temper. If you get angry, do not sin. Do not go to bed in anger. I know we do. We can sleep back to back when we're in love. We can sleep back to back when we are angry. You wake up in the next morning when you are angry, your body is full of pain. But when we're in love, we can sleep back to back and we get up and greet each other with a kiss. We still kiss each other, you know that?
Let's change our behavior. There are plenty that in the valley of dry bones that needs a word from you. Only you carry that word. But you cannot transport that word if you are not carrying it. If it hasn't influenced you, you cannot carry it. It is only Ezekiel couldn't carry this except God gave him a scroll, showed him a scroll. And again, what do you see? I see a scroll coming down. And God says, eat it. Eat all of it. What did it taste like? Oh, it was sweet and then it was bitter. Or as I ate it, it was bitter, but then it became sweet. Sometimes you might have to forget that famous favorite program you wanted to watch. And go and read scripture. So it might be bitter at that time. But oh my, the sweetness of that word, when it comes alive in you, it's unparalleled. It is a love story. Read the word of God as a love story for humanity. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever will believe on him, not believe in the church. I mean, uh, uh, Jesus would plead with the people. He would plead with them, saying, believe me when I say who I am. But if then it becomes impossible for you to believe me, believe me even for the works that I do. imploring all of us not to become church on the outside, but inside we are full of dead men's bones. He's saying love. Today, God is saying love. Do not allow hopelessness and helplessness to become your residential address. Change your address today. Change your address. You still carry his breath. If you carry his breath, you carry his spirit. You carry his creativity. It's up to you. At whose table are you sitting? Don't sit at the table of scorners. Don't sit at the table of scorners. Move from there. Failures. Failure is only a failure when they have given up on God. Don't give up on God. Don't come to church because you are pushed by the devil. Come to church because you are pushed by the desire to know God, know him more. Know what he has in store for me. Lord, I am struggling. I am finding my identity in you.
And so I come to discover and uncover who God is and what is my purpose in this life. Because you have a purpose. It is God-given. You have dreams, you have desires. But uh, the, the weight of life seems to have put a shadow over that, that you don't even believe that you exist. You are just barely breathing. Allow the light to come because it's only time that growth will happen. Plant any seed, put a cover over it. Even if it does manage to shoot up, it won't go nowhere. It will simply go that way and then it will give up on bearing any fruit. Let the light come and see how it stretches up. And God wants to stretch, stretch you today. He wants to stretch you. Because the price has already been paid, guys. He can't give up on you now. He has already paid the price. God will never give up on you. It doesn't matter how bad you think you have been. God hasn't given up on you. Don't give up on yourself. Don't allow the circumstances to tell you that it's too late. Amen? Father, this morning we want to thank you for your word. We want to thank you for the eternal covenant that you, are ne you never change. You are the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow you will still be the same. That our desire this morning, God, is to know you in spirit and in truth. We know that there are times that the sufferings will come. But we have this assurance that even in sufferings, we are never alone. Because the word says you are acquainted with our grief. You are acquainted even with our rejection because you were rejected as well. but you gave your life for us. There was a divine exchange that I uh, cannot fathom or understand with my mind, but I know that it is true. I know that you love me deeply. You love your church deeply. Because if one falls from grace, it is a smudge upon your name. But then we are told that it is not by design that any should perish. It's not your design. 
your design is that uh, they might all come and walk into that covenantal relationship. And so this morning I pray for each and every member of this household. Their children, their grandchildren, their great-grandchildren, up to the fourth and to the fifth generation, that they all shall serve you in spirit and in truth. My Father, I pray that none will be left behind. Even those that do not agree with us, it's fine, as long as they're in agreement with you. That would love, Father God, in close proximity to your shadow until they can gravitate right into the center of your world. I bless this house, God. I bless them, Father God. I bless this house, Father God, with wisdom. I bless them, Heavenly Father, with a tenacious spirit that they will never give up, Father God, in staying close to you, O God. Even if, Father God, the circumstances pull them a little further than they want to be. But I bless them, Father God, that finally they will come. Not when they have to meet you face to face, but that in this life they will fulfill their purpose. And their purpose is that they will prosper and be in good health. I Pray, Father God, for every person that is carrying infirmity this morning, that healing will come to their bodies in the mighty, glorious name of Jesus. That you will touch them, my Father, with your nail-pierced hands and bring health to their bones. Father, every bone that is been damaged, I pray right now that you will no longer resist the word of God. You will receive the word of God. Hear the word of God. That you are healed in the name of Jesus. Father, even as we come to draw on that covenant this morning, I pray for every partaker, every participant this morning that they, re they receive divine authority to get back into shape in Jesus' name.